0: Hello everybody, this is Patrick Attaway And I am simultaneously live on Instagram And today, as promised, I am reading my third book, Titleist Of course, the weird thing about Titleist is that all the poetry from it is not of its its era, if you will Every poem in Titleist was written around the same time that I wrote everything that was in my first book, Cornbread Poetry Let me bring this so the story about this book title hey Steffi, is i published my first two books cornbread poetry and then disease of ambition and i had all of this poetry that was still unpublished that people had read before on this website called digital verse and a friend of mine encouraged me to publish all of it into a book and it took me about a day to put it all together so here I am with a third fucking book, and this was back in 2018, I believe, and since then I've published other books, of course, but uh, Titleist is interesting because it has a lot of poems that were already published online and then got taken down when Digital Verse got taken offline, but uh, people had read these things and given me feedback on them, so they're they're pretty polished, but also... Uh, as I was reading Cornbread Poetry last night, I noticed that there were so many poems from the same era missing, and it, it was weird because if you read them all in order, which you can do if you buy my fourth book, um, "Can Glutton for Despair, or that's actually my fifth book. Um, I sound like an idiot right now. So... As I did with my Cornbread Poetry episode, I'm going to read and discuss these poems. And I don't know if I'll be able to get it all done in one episode because, for one thing, I'm not reading every single poem in the book, but a lot of them need to be read and discussed. So, here we go. The first one is called Your Shield. I speak through stress, which kills me every four months as class ends, and my body's relief comes at my mental cost. Dim and bitter quaint words for days, but the tell is the mold. Angry from some boy who offends your sensibilities, if you are so smart, and I know you are, then why feel or give him your time? When I gave you my words, knowing not of your shield, you took my time, right? Yes, it was sick of me to place so much Of myself at your inbox trying to invoke friendship through a mask. You wear a mask that you call your shield. A common trope shared by many girls trying their best to be the best woman they can. But if you're not a woman in my eyes, take solace that I am not a man in my own. This next poem is called Never Read My Lies. Ear to the screen. I read everything you say, love, not on the log, but betrayal, before each comma and period, train me through smiles, and the day and kill me, in your second life, when I'm lying awake. I wrote such dark poetry, Jesus Christ, all about friggin' girls I was interested in, really, but it's really interesting to see how hormonal I was in these old poems. Um, just Jesus so let me skip ahead here this is called The Blues Left Me Long Ago the slide fell off my fingers my feel became math the cold look at the frets knowing the outcome of each no mystery to someone like me the emotion that turns little boys blue Old men dead and middle-aged guys drunk left my hands. I got tired of white dudes stealing their licks and made my own to sound like trains derailing, monkeys fucking, and the rain drip you hear each time your pulse stops. I like to make those frat boys puke when they hear me play. The air turns red when I go against the blue. And the girls don't fall on their knees because I'm not singing Dave Matthews, Eric Clapton, or even an original like Mississippi John Hurt. I like girls who stand on both feet, finger to ambient piano, and make out to funeral for a friend because I don't play the chords or lines that make you swoon, because it reminds you of your dead dad or cat. I approach music like a man jumping off a bridge, trying to say his piece, For his vitals collapse. I've written a lot about music and the guitar, but I really like the idea of creating things that no one else ever has. And the guitar is really hard to do that on because almost everything has been done. And people who say, well, there's so much more to do. Well, yeah, there is, but at the same time, it's sort of like writing in that everything has been done. Every single thing you can think of has been done. So you have to find a new way to explore those old things and create something different. So this next one is called Guide Word, and it is another poem that is influenced by Genesis. Um, Lots of Genesis and Phil Collins just rolling through all my work. No one sees that I am your mind. The pimpled boys you turned away, sneaky girl I kiss, in your dorm, decisions made of your own, no longer existed when you chose me, your mentor. The unique person you want, a glimpse beyond real. I heard the song that told you I was the one to guide you. The Phil Collins stalker you thought only exist in a broken Bible. The words say to let me... Relieve your damn, your being, so you flourish as the dream, while I take each night those advances, the dorm room kisses and decisions. My money and grit make you shine, but the polish cracks soon if you leave the word, the guide I give. I had some very sinister ideas, very sinister characters that I was coming up with, if you've taking the time to read my novel demise of the Trinity, you'll see that, uh, so many of the characters that I came up with, which sort of ended up in my poetry in a sense, uh, they were pretty dark, but, uh, you know, a- as an adult, <laughs> because I don't know that you're really an adult when you're 21. Um, as someone who's 28, um, which is a, a big difference, uh, It's interesting to look back at the things that I wrote when I was this young and think, what the hell was I thinking? I have this poem in here that's called A Note, and it's not really a poem. It's more like a letter that I wrote to someone, but I decided to publish it in here, and I don't know what to tell you other than to read it. I don't know what my reaction is going to be, but here we go. I don't want to live as myself anymore. When you feel the muscles in your arms deteriorating, the veins in your head pumping as if they're giving it a strong effort before they finally collapse, you may realize that love and depression are more than chemical reactions in your brain. These are things that kill us, but they're killing me each day I live with them. I've known both for so long. I thought depression was my friend and love my enemy. Now I see they are both out to murder me. Suicide just isn't an option anymore. I'm in too deep inside of a friendship that I want to flourish into more, but I'm cast outside of it looking into the glass window. I overanalyze everything, including how she may feel about me. I never know unless she tells me, but even then, do I really know? It was probably easier when I could be suicidal because then I didn't have the happiness and excuse to live anymore. It's like I never knew what it meant to be actually happy before, but with each high comes an equal low. It's like each dose of her is LSD and I go to heaven feeling good about myself and back down to hell where I've been for so long. I'd gotten used to the flames licking at my heart putting me down like I am worthless. I am not worthless in her eyes, but I am actually anything more. I wrote songs and poems, fiction, and realized none of it was enough to win anything for myself but more failure. The hopes I have keep me alive, but I've never had a hope that came true. Each year becomes more painful and sickening than the last and all I pray for is maybe I can finally stay in heaven rather than fall further into hell. I spent a lot of time in the cornbread poetry episodes of the podcast talking about a woman who, well, woman. It was back in 2014 I'd fallen in love with her while I was still in a relationship. And it was a long a, a long distance thing. And so it wasn't anything romantic, but I wanted it to be so badly And it was really just me holding out hope for something that I would never have, which is always a foolish thing to do. But uh, this next poem goes a little bit more further into it in a more poetic sense rather than just me kind of ranting. This is called Apparent Death. Naked text was the last thing we shared. She saw him in vivid dreams calling her, but I tried to enter my notes as a guide. The times I ask for his answer add up to her streaks on two arms. Pills form his image there, but missing the ledge I cannot grasp her from. No warning, just her absence. Her image darkened, but I knew. He pulls her away just as I know her. Perhaps he gives her what I cannot. I never got her for myself to repay, repay- For the words she inspired, nor the elation I took to pave over my grief. She makes me endure, die, and revive me, the woman God implanted in my mind. Should I turn my fist to him or accept my role as the last friend carrying her image instead? Yeah, I was very upset, obviously. Uh, I don't know what more to say about that. Uh, Then... I went through this period, and this next poem discusses it a little bit more. In late 2014, where I was sleeping on a futon because uh, my ex and I had broken up, but she was still living with me, so I let her have our bed, and I moved into a different room. And I was trying to find someone else to be with, which is really a dumb thing to do after an eight year relationship. But there I was. And I was talking to an old high school friend. Cause that's what you do. Anytime anyone from high school talks to you that you haven't heard from her in a while, they want something from you. So that has gotten even more apparent now than it ever, ever has been. But uh, I was talking to this girl that I had a thing with my senior year. who Wasn't, another, it wasn't even romantic. It was just a thing. So she was telling me about all these different drugs she had done and how she had rewritten the Bible and just weird, weird shit. So I wrote a a poem for her and it's called, She Asked Me to Change the Title. One, too addicted to age and cigarettes, cognac for breakfast, a fourth- takes in each leaf as she lights the joint I overlooked. The third sleeps in a sofa bed, second in mind, first away, because one cannot care as she erodes from her mental raves. Two. Loved, but never knew why. Gained back each pound she lost in comfortable chaos. Shoulders stood upon, love reigned through each, but two's shield blocks each attempt each grasp for the hand of someone to pull me out of this ditch. 3. The dead aren't supposed to return. As she crept on the words, poems I wrote, she clutched cigarette burns, in each living hand she blew the dust upon. And when he returns, her broken legs, ribs, and arms still pull, kissing Jesus' lips as if he were the second coming. Fourth, no shade from reality's sun returns the the years one, two, three, stole, but repairs me without salt, cloth, or salve. Simplify the crucifix, share a ray to light away the dark, to cleanse as if past does not mean the future. Good Lord. This next one is called This Time I Write for You. I asked her, have you ever had a poem written about you? Before the tattoos, piercings, and false memories could answer, I poured the rum into my hazed cup, ginger ale trying to fizzle out, like the admiration for myself and the yearning for her. Oh, Christ. She stopped believing in a savior too soon, because the chemicals that gave life the reach around force out the end. The rum is working. Because I never drink unless the urge to feel, outside of pity, the self rapport I lost after our last grasp creates the hour when I have the twenty and the keys to the highway. A bottle of the stuff wasn't even that much. The cost of losing a friend and the juncture or more. It's, if it's about me, it's already shit. I'm always a sucker for modesty because shame was all I had when I sat outside the door, the white dress she wore reminding me that I exist among graceful tides as my grisly reality numbs my circuitry. It wasn't that long ago that you inspired me. Five years ago I colorized my Cepheid vessel to win her, but I pierced my cause as I fell in another seizure. Now a friend I expected as much as lightning, I see the flesh still on bones that should be a skeleton. You are making me livid. The response least expected. Turns out as my favorite. A prize after life's contest. Construct after construct. I was an audacious little son of a bitch. I'll tell you that. This girl and I probably talked for a month. But it was pretty clear early on. um, Back in 2014 that it was just a friendship. Friendship. And I it wasn't gonna go anywhere, uh, still, I wrote her some poetry, like a dumbass and a lot of my poetry could be probably uh, summarized in God, I was a dumbass, so I mentioned in the last episode that there was this girl that I was interested in, well interested in we were. We had a fling, and it was during Thanksgiving break of 2014. And I wrote her a poem called Rhyming for Lindsay that's in Cornbread Poetry. But I also wrote her another poem called Jumping the Red Rider, and I'll read that now. It's something to be mature. Holding out to see fit the arms that may fold the right way around but keep a distance when the faith lives there. Don't say anything stupid. Breezy nods and smiles and talks about life, sex, and Morocco. A tense second where words grant time to stay within bounds. This could be it. Two days and someone defies the wishes of what makes the ideal. Have this wave soaked in my sand before, or is it a new tide? All I want is to tell you to let it happen. Forget the inhibition and collapse with you. Yeah. Uh, if you're with someone and it's a long distance thing and you've just known each other for a few days, don't don't say you love each other. Just don't. It's dumb. So I'm glad that I, I didn't. Um, yeah. There are a couple of poems in here about a girl that I was also talking to from probably Russia. Her name is Jordana. Uh, I'm not going to read those. But here we are with one of my happier poems called Synchronization. And it is about the young lady that I was with in January of 2015. And I had two of the happiest weeks of my life up until that point and then two of the worst weeks of my life afterward. Tasting my lips for a memory, the scent still all over me, yet I don't feel an ending. My mind harmonized to an old tune with a new rhythm, and each beat felt tighter in her pocket. A five-year song I sang without an audience, and the words fit together in a three-hour drive. Lost in the country without caring about the steel guitar or violin, finding the key, but in our two-step... I forgot about music and recited the phrases in our common spotlight, swinging like bass and drums on wood chips under our refrain, leaving the stage to your synchronization. Good Lord. Um, a Proven Point, a Point Proven, rather, is another poem about this girl, and a lot of people seem to like it, so I'll read it. Exit 8, The Last Road to Your Place. At least we share the clouds before we kiss goodbye. Walk opposite ways. A new hat warms the air I once kept to myself. Now we share the chill. The shivers outside your door. Before today, we lay for hours. This time, you made the domestic seem unusual and in you. Inside each shop, your reactions, a memory within a moment. The tense times. Sideways on the bed, we couldn't move from the staring. Your legs on the dash tattoo a distraction, the speed no matter, quick to my place, slow to yours, and no stopping in between. The empty seat reminds me, through smiles, are temporary. The road we drive on won't end yet. So, she lived in Athens, Georgia, it took me about three hours, uh, maybe two and a half if I was speeding, Uh, But that caught up to me because I ended up getting a speeding ticket the first time she came over to my place. So I didn't make that mistake again because Barrow County, Georgia is a speed trap. But that day I'm talking about here, um, we went into Walmart and she had a bunch of people staring at her because she had piercings. She had her septum pierced. She had tattoos all over her. She had dyed hair. I think it was actually dyed black, but... It was obviously not her natural hair color. And she was wearing a... um, She was wearing my Aussie shirt. Thank you, Steffi. She was wearing my Aussie shirt. and She was also wearing a uh, a jean jacket. And uh, she made me go to a pet store and hold a snake, which I'd never done before. So it was like she was trying to make memories with me. But anyway... Uh, I left a lot of my drinking poems out of cornbread poetry for some reason, so I'll read one of them here. This is called Four Drinks and Counting. Intolerance. Yeah, it's a big word. When I drink, after one I'm walking like W.C. Fields on a sober binge. I get sick as if Jesus lives in my stomach and punishes me for feeling like a human and wanting to stop. Imagine me with four drinks, four shots of cherry vodka, and four diet ginger ales and one glass tall enough to pour without overflowing. Yes, this is when I'll write my epic, the long poem that bores you and two people may read, but when I die, some pretentious college professors might like it enough to assign it in a class. They'll overanalyze my words instead of taking me as face value, but I have no value. Tomorrow, I'm going to be sick. Already, I want number five. And as my voice reads each word, I type aloud, my tongue slurs when I feel in my right mind. But I started drinking because I wasn't. All I wanted to know is if she still wanted me. Take your space, take your time. Let me find a distraction, but don't make me wait to hear you say it again. The alcohol just numbs my flesh. I don't feel the need to reach for the noose. And I've already written so many suicide poems. Each cry for help is either ignored or applauded like a traspese artist between hell and her. And while I like to touch her cheeks that my hand overshadows, kiss her to feel the way I did when I held her the first time and told her, I'd waited years to do this. This time I thought I'd find the perfect psycho to obsess over in a mutual wave of us in Satan's ocean. Now I think I'm just going to drown in this bottle of Russian potatoes and wash up on hell's shore. It's just like me to feel this. You've read the others. I write them like flowers on Valentine's because a code of words is sex in the shower Tears for your mother and aged violin singing Redemption and waking up next to someone when it's too cold to get out of bed. And no matter the song Willie Nelson or Alison Krauss play, I'm still tipsy on her last messages. I'm still trying to keep her. I'm still hesitating before I jump. And she hasn't said it was over. She hasn't said stop. She says she can wait. But when I wait until death... she have open arms for the soul I gave her. So you're getting the idea of what this relationship was like. Very unhealthy on my end. This is called Away from Athens. Impure, pale, Asian fighting European skin in green and yellow sheets under a black and white quilt and shaven above twitching painted crimson a borrowed emblem covers pure silver. Each image in Quote, stained in ink a unique memory in the needle marks. Creature under innocence on right, letters to remember on left. Against the flannel murder of crows, the crescent moon, the perfect design to win the breath and wails from the second one. Euro-American bastardization, brown, blonde, and red grow over intentional pale. The quilt covers insecurity and the reluctant spasms that cannot cease without air. The only symbol remains in the air, a scalp stripped in strength and meek. Defects, marks, without embellishment, a target resting next to a hurling javelin. Diminished Mia Wallace, closing against effortless and cropped tread, moan and ache as sodden graze inhales the virgin leather, the impure and bastard meat. One coin of silver bone and flame as each side dissolves and finally cross in a crucifixion of inhibitions shames and dread i need a drink of water after reading that because good lord this last poem i guess i need to address what the hell i was saying in this last this last poem away from athens i wrote it i remember writing some of it on my probably on my phone but I had bought this girl some things in a local uh, bookstore and I think I ended up mailing them to her because we didn't see each other again, um, along with her other things that she'd left at my house, but I bought her a case of her favorite soda because I thought she was going to come back over, um, she liked tab which is pretty disgusting but it was her favorite soda so i bought her a bunch of tab and i also bought her a bunch of dark chocolate uh, which i ended up giving to my mother that's pretty fucking sad remembering you in vain you put the gun in my hand placed the barrel on my temple and smoked a bong to forget how you once wanted me How did I go from having you as a friend and partner to playing one-man Russian roulette? After I lose sleep for months, as I remember the times you kissed my head while I lay on your shoulder, said you wanted to marry me and move to Oregon, promised me you'd always love and never judge me, and then how your apathy turned against me. And I am alone in the bed that was supposed to be yours. Am I supposed to pull the trigger, let the copper end my depression and fantasies? Giving a man hope in his nightmare and forcing him awake is more cruel than shooting him yourself. But you want no part of the continued death of my will, despite your participation. I can't hate you so soon after attempting to sell my soul to keep you and how you said you had accepted and cherished it. How quickly you changed from my equal to falling beneath my affection. You once clamored to have. Each time I tried to pull you back up, you pushed me further above you. If this makes me see God, you are too dear to be Satan. So I name you as Judas when I meet Peter and climb the gates. But I am stuck in hell after putting the pistol on package I made. Sending your things back through the mail like we'll never meet again despite being so close to never ending. I still see you by my side, but feel the chain struck against my back when I realize I remember you in vain. It's a great place to stop. Don't know that I want to do the rest of the poems in here uh, for another episode. Because, good lord, there's a reason why I didn't put all this stuff in cornbread poetry. It's friggin' dark. I mean, just ridiculous. I'm looking through here and most of this stuff is just so sad. I don't want to read that. Uh, But if you want to read it, go, go buy the damn thing. It's 99 cents on Amazon. Man... My wife's on the cover, by the way. None of the poems in here are about her, but she's on the cover. So, as always, this has been Patrick Attaway. Thank you for listening. Bye!